A few days ago, uh, a lawyer from one of our reputable firms around the country came on to MSNBC and they seem to have uh, put some of the blame of Dante's murder on Dante. And we took exception to it. We're going to show some snippets of what we said in the video. Inside of the notes section of this video, you can actually find a link to the entire video that we did. Well, it turns out that Mr. Dunn, the person who was in the video, responded. And I think it was only fair for us to play the entire video that he sent. Then I'll have a couple of comments afterwards. While watching uh, Dante Wright's funeral today, right after it, Ayman Mohayadin had two guests on. One of them was Tiffany Cross. The other one, he was one of those guys I put in the same boat as Candace Owen. Is there a perception among the police that if you are a young black man or woman, just the tone of your skin is a risk and danger that makes you a threat regardless of what it is? that you are doing? Well, I think that everyone is kind of walking on eggshells. And I think that we've got hundreds of years of inertia in this country that we're trying to undo. And the movement for social justice is very important. And the idea of police misconduct is something that has resonated in the souls of communities of color for literally hundreds of years. But it's not going to all change overnight. But the idea of escalation and anxiety is something that is omnipresent. And we have to say that this goes both ways. Yes, we don't want the officers to use deadly force. Uh, and they have historically been all too, all too quick to do that. But at the same time, I was taught by my father to never run because they'll kill you. And the way these situations play out is it is frenetic energy on top of frenetic energy. And we have to teach our boys that any encounter with a police officer can quickly degenerate into a deadly encounter if they lose their cool or if they do anything that is a provocative act. You know, I think that the practice of white supremacy is so deeply woven in this country that you will have the oppressed adopting the talking points of the oppressors. First of all, this is a 20-year-old kid. Imagine what he has experienced in his lifetime, what he has seen in his lifetime, to have these law, enforce these law enforcement officers put him in handcuffs. He was fearful. He came up during the time of Trayvon Martin, of or, uh, Philando Castile, of uh, uh, Tamir Rice, of, of countless names and faces that we have seen die at the hands of law enforcement. But somehow, we want to put the onus on this kid. They had this kid's license plate. They had his license. They had his registration. They could have found him easily. But somehow, the conversation is turning to what could this kid have done to prevent his own death? Why is the onus on us to stay alive when encountering the police? Because I've seen police de-escalate, irate, angry white people more times than I care to remember, yet the threat of a kid just existing is perceived as a threat. And Philando Castile did as he was told. He was blown away. George Floyd did as he was told. Yes, he had a panic attack going into the car, but otherwise he did as he was told. He was murdered. We can go person after person doing as they're told and get murdered. So you run, you get killed. You don't run, you get killed. I don't know. Uh, I'm speaking to the Cochrane firm and the Cochrane family. So uh, it has come to my attention that some of the remarks that I made this week have caused some concern uh, and that uh, some of the members of the firm uh, have had some difficulties uh, with some of the responses uh, to my remarks. And I want to try to tell you why I said what I said. So specifically, uh, you have to understand that one of the reasons why uh, I uh, come at situations with a different point of view is because I've been doing this for so long. Uh, 
literally uh, since 1993, I've been pretty much devoting my entire life to the issue of police misconduct, but most directly police shootings and excessive force that result in police shootings. And I know how these situations play out because I've seen how they play out again and again. And to say that it hasn't affected me on a deep level would not be true. It has affected me tremendously. And one of the things that has created a problem for me is that you keep seeing the same thing happening over and over again. Uh, specifically, I want to tell you that the most important motivation that I have always had uh, is not saying the thing that pleases people, uh, but I want to try to stop the killing. And I want to try to stop these funerals from happening. Uh, I've had over 100 death cases, folks. And in all of that time, I can tell you that they're preventable and that you see the same things happening over and over again. Um, there were a lot of comments to the effect of I'm, I'm using the talking points of my oppressor or we're using the, the talking points of the enemy. And, and I think that's the wrong way to look at it. When you're on the street uh, and a shooting plays out, the aggression that comes from the police officer cannot be articulated in terms of talking points. And when I say that we need to tell our boys not to run, the oppressor on the street is the aggressive police officer that's inclined to shoot someone. And he wants our boys to run. He wants them to resist. He wants them to talk back. And all of the things that I'm trying to do is I'm trying to take that away from him. When we look at how a shooting really plays out, you have to understand that most of it happens because of the anxiety and the aggressive energy of the police officer. But there are things that we can do to at least lessen the exposure to that risk. And one of the things that we can do is not resist and not run. I know that may be an unpopular comment, but if you're coming from the place of not wanting shootings to happen in the first place, you have to understand that we have to do everything that we can to keep that from happening. Uh, the other thing that uh, a lot of people were concerned about is that my remarks were made in the context of a funeral. Uh, but you have to understand the remarks that predated mine were also made in that same context and they were very political uh, and they were very inflammatory. And the, it's just the kind of rhetoric uh, that is used to create a mindset that law enforcement are, are dishonorable, racist, and to be disrespected. And a person hearing that uh, might believe or internalize those words to mean that it's okay to disrespect them, it's okay to run, uh, it's okay to uh, disrespect law enforcement, and that's exactly the kind of thing that gets us killed. So that's why I said what I said when I said it. And I, I don't necessarily expect anyone to agree with me or even approve of, of what I said or even support me. Uh, but I did want you to understand why I said what I said. I understand exactly where Mr. Dunn is coming from. I really do. And not only that, some of the, the advice that he has given to young women or men of color or the same kind of advice that I give, but in the context of national news, in the context of where the, the police uh, in general is under scrutiny. It's not the place for us to 
tell others you have to try to mitigate your own death. We've done that for decades with our kids. Putting that into the ethos gives these officers the implied right to somehow believe that we think we must take some sort of responsibility for them being the type of cops that hurt people, the kinds of cops that murder people, the kinds of cops that just don't do their jobs. I understand what Mr. Dunn is saying, but the fact of the matter is it was not the place, it was not the, the context in which that statement should be made because at this point, all the fault must go where it belongs, on the police officers, the trained police officers who use their own prejudice, who use their own racism, who use their own irrational fear of people of color. And I don't really think most of it is irrational fear. I think most of it is simply they don't consider people of color of equal value to the others they may encounter. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.